That's so good. Thank you so much for having me. I know I'm a bit of a risk because I'm an unknown. But, um, you know, it's funny because in the kingdom of God, we have our circles, don't we? And, and some were well-known, some were unknown. But I, I love the fact that Jesus is the one who is known, and he's the one who's important, isn't he? So I hope that you find something this morning from him that you can take away and that will enrich your life. Um, so I'm not from Ballarat. I'm from Oregon originally, and um, my husband and I met in Youth with a Mission, and um, uh, I still work with YWAMers all the time. I still speak at YWAM, and uh, I work with Paulette Kans, who's a friend, um, and I run Rahab. I started Rahab in Victoria seven years ago, and we have seven teams that are going into all the brothels. Not all the brothels. There's 500. We can't make it into all of them. We don't have enough workers. Um, there's 97 legal ones. We're getting into almost all those to find women who are trapped and young men. And, and it's a really, it's an amazing work. It's an amazing ministry. Uh, it just blows me away. We walk in and we, we share the gospel with people every, you know, once a month, every Friday night. And we pray for women. We put our hands on them. They say, oh, one, one place I went into, they said, oh, the Rahab women are here. Come on, it's time for a prayer meeting. I'm like, what? <laughs> and they gathered about seven of the women into a room, and we, we had a prayer meeting. We prayed together. We ministered to them. We prayed over all of them. You know what? Like, it's the most open field. There's people out there in such dire need. And, you know, I had a heart for this, but I just didn't know what to do. Do you ever feel like that? Like, God, I really, my heart's overflowing for people. I really want to see people saved. I want to see them delivered. Um, but how do I do it? Where do I go with that? You know, like, just walk up to someone and say, hey, <laughs> you know, get lost, demons. I set you free in Jesus' name. You know, I mean, that just doesn't really go over very well, does it? <laughs> you know, you've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have this natural kind of thing where you're relating to somebody for a purpose. You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of cool because when Paulette came over to train us, because we found her, and we said, we just need help. We have this vision. She's like, awesome. I've wanted to see teams there for a long time. She came over. She took one day, trained us, and then we've been doing it for seven years. What a shock that it wasn't so hard. One day of training for seven days of, you know, seven years of ministry. Um, I don't wonder if... God isn't going to do that for some of you with some of the seeds that he's planted in your heart. Sometime you just need, you just need that strategy. You just need that, how do I do this? You know what? It was so simple. Like, she just trained us what to say, what not to say. You know, like not to go, excuse me, you're in the wrong industry. We need to just get you out right now. Do you know what you're doing? You're a heathen sinner. You know, okay, that's on the what not to say list. <laughs> And, you know, we found we don't have to say to girls, this is, you know, you shouldn't be in here. You know why? Because they all want to get out. Every single one of them. Even the ones who say, oh, I love this job at first. You know what? We've, we've learned that they're dissociating because they have to do that to make it through a night. So, so we've learned how to kind of move. And, you know, one day of training, that's all. And uh, so she taught us what to say, what not to say, what things are good, how to see if people are trafficked. Here's the list, you know, of things to watch for and little questions we can ask them. And then we got these little lanyards printed up with this name Rahab on it that said volunteer, right? Volunteer is a good word. 
And um, when we got little business cards made up that, that kind of have the name on it and that say what we do, you know, okay, well, we're, really, we're going to give coffee catch-ups. We're going to give English lessons because I had a person that could teach TESOL. Um, we're going to, um, you know, give free counseling, uh, free debriefing. Um, we'll do days out. So we have that on the card, what we can do. And then we make little gifts, just $2 gifts, right? nail polish or something like that or the women will make a craft card like you know those cool like certain people are crafty who are you saying like that was you wasn't it those pom-poms and all that stuff like okay certain people just know how to take something and just go poof (laughs) and then it just turns into something amazing the women in the brothels love that stuff because they feel like somebody loves them and, you know, all of a sudden, we had, instead of craft group, craft with a purpose. <laughs> and it just brought a whole new meaning to that whole women's side of things. And we're not just doing craft together just to, you know, have a yarn. We're doing it to actually set people free. You know, isn't that awesome? Like, to set people free. And um, that's what we saw. We came in. There's one girl. She, she takes pictures of every single gift that we bring in. She sends it to her family in Korea. You know, she's so, like, touched by every gift. I'm like, it's just a jar. (laughs) Or it's just a bottle of nail polish. Like, for me, I'm like, it's nothing. But she's like, this is everything to me. That you would think of me. That you would come in here. And that you would just take the time to love me. That's that's what the feeling is. You know, who would have known? Like, you know, a list of questions, a lanyard, a business card, a little gift. That's all we do. We had one... I don't know why I'm talking about this. My message is actually on identity. Oh, I might get to that. Let's see. So, yeah, our, our cards, our lanyards, that's all we do. We go in and we give a gift. We do. So we have a woman who does home baking, and she'll make, like, slices or muffins or something like that. And so we take a plate in with us, and we eat with them, or we sit and we just chat with these women. And it's just really, really amazing. God is doing incredible things. So I just want to encourage you, if you do have that little inkling in your heart, like that ache in your heart, God, what is it you want me to do? Ask him for a strategy. Sometimes all it takes is just an identity, an identity. We gave ourselves an identity based on function. And we, saw, we said, we're going to function to do this. We're going to function to, you know, to serve, basically. We're going to go out and we're going to serve you. We're going to give you something that you need to bring healing to your life. And um, so the women go through, um, and usually within a year, their bodies are deteriorated. They have uh, multiple personalities. It's not like schizophrenia. It's a dissociating in the mind. Um, So to, to actually get healing from that takes many years outside of the Holy Spirit. Right? Like, like the Lord can do really amazing things. So we're praying that we'll see more and more just miraculous healings of, of post-traumatic stress and dissociative disorder. Um, oh, so like I was saying, they don't, they don't want to be there. They're there for all different reasons. And usually they're there because somebody else has made decisions for them. Um, so they've been abused in their life all the way along, and they have no other options. They, they're totally soul-destroyed. They have no identity left, and they just think, I just got to survive somehow, right? So that's mostly the Australian women. The Asian women, um, they're mostly under debt bondage. So 
either their family has sold them if they're being uh, trafficked from a stolen point of view, or most commonly what we see among the women we work with is somebody has married them over there, promised them a good life, brought them here, and then sells them into prostitution every night. And it's really, really sad. There's commonly a three-year debt bondage that other women, you know, from other countries, they need to support their family. Do you see the situation? It's not, it's not what they tell us in the media. I don't want you to believe the media because what they're telling you is not true. And that is motivated by actually the business side of the industry that's worth billions of dollars. It's billions of dollars. It's become bigger than the, the drug trade now because it's easier to traffic a person than it is to traffic drugs. Because a person you can use over and over. Drugs are a commodity, so they run out. You see? But a person can be used and used and used until they die. And I can tell you there is a high suicide rate among these women, and, and they, they just die. Some of them who get sent back and deported, if they get found, and this, because um, I just met with the guy, the head of trafficking in, in Melbourne, and he was saying to me, you Rahab girls, we just want to thank you. I was flabbergasted. I thought, I'll just get some information out of him, you know. <laughs> I'm just like always, you know, on the prowl. And um, he's like, I just want to thank you. You're, you're probably doing more work than we are. I said, no, I feel like we're doing nothing. Nothing. He goes, no, you are. You've got to know that you are. And um, you're, you're doing such a good job. And you're going in there. He said, the girls respond to you. They don't respond to us. He said, we are there to help them, but they're afraid of us. And so he said, it's very, very difficult. And with the trafficked women, they have to get the tip so they know where they are. And then they have to catch these people in the act. So they have to catch them without their passports. They have to catch in order to prosecute the owner of the brothels. So... In Frankston, you might have heard of this story, but in Frankston, there was a big place, a big brothel, and they were hiding, and the police got tipped off. The police went three times. They couldn't find. They knew there was girls there. They could not find them. And then they went back the third time, and they heard this noise, and they didn't realize there was another floor. They went up the other floor, and they, they looked around. There's nothing in the room. There's nobody and they just heard this little tiny, like, shuffle noise. And they went behind this bookcase, and they pushed on it, and the bookcase opened, and there was a girl standing in the wall cavity. And they were hiding her. She had been there for eight hours. Eight hours. So this brothel owner, he got penalized $60,000. Now, he makes about a million dollars a week. He got penalized $60,000, got a slap on the hand, and they um, fined his wife, I think, because he blamed it on his wife that she didn't have documents because they'd taken all their documents. That's how they do. They keep them in bondage or they take all their travel documents. And so they got out with just a small fine. No big deal. So, I mean, even the government tells us this is safe for the girls. Even the government tells us it's a better situation. But, you know, when they legalized prostitution, there was 91 brothels. Now there's 97 legal ones and 500 illegal ones. Like, when you give sin an inch, it just runs rampant. <laughs> it runs rampant. So, <laughs> we've got to understand the situation. People are actually in desperate need of Jesus. And when we 
made this like, I feel like some ways it's a fake identity. <laughs> Rahab. Yeah, we're like this agency who kind of helps people. You know, like it feels like a fake identity. But you know what it did is it enabled us to actually walk into these places and do Jesus' work. Do you know what I'm saying? It's so weird. I still think about it and go, how do they even let us in the door? Don't they know who we are? And the cool thing is they don't really know who we are. And the last um, time we went in there, the woman, she goes, they've got like 25 workers. It's a huge place. She goes, oh, we're not going to let you in here anymore. She goes, I know what you're doing. And I'm like, <laughs> shoot, she's discovered, you know? But then I thought, I'm going to listen to what she says, you know, instead of getting all frantic and thinking, oh, no. She goes, I know what you're doing. You're like, you're getting people out of the industry. You're getting them healed. You're getting them new occupations. And you're just basically taking these women out and giving them a new life. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm doing all that. That is so awesome. Like, I just I was offering a cup of tea. You know? Like, <laughs> it's just amazing what God does, isn't it? That was the testimony out of this woman's life. Like, I know that women, every time we go, women go out the back door. The ones who can. Some of them can't. And that's the ones that worry me the most, is the ones who are trapped. But, but every time there's women going out the back door, they're just like, we give them the courage. It, it, that's all it is. We give them the courage to walk out. We've been able to help some, put them in rehab. We've, we've given them housing for short periods of time. We don't have a lot of resources, so we just do what we can. And we've done everything that we can for the ones who have need. Some of them we've given washing machines, we've given groceries, we've done a lot of counseling, a lot of debriefing. That's what we mostly do, debriefing. They call on the phone just say, oh, man, had a really hard night. You know, it's just, it's just a lot of stuff that you can do for the world. <laughs> we have all everything that we need. We have all the equipment we need. So having an identity is really important. It's really important, and sometimes having a fake identity is even better. <laughs> the world knows about this, don't they? Let me just tell you a few things that you can put in your pocket about identity. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. <laughs> Isn't that what you just got up and said? Or was it Caleb said that? Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor in birth until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. I am not the sum of my desires. You see, this is the world's view of identity. That we are the sum of our desires. Now, I could tell you, uh, you know, that I love my you know, your desires change, and you get different experiences that actually change you. You know, so when your identity is based on desire, when your desires change, you have an identity crisis. You don't know what to do with yourself anymore, isn't that right? <laughs> I am not the sum of my desires. My desires change over time. I'm not the sum of my feelings either. You know, I was shocked because the day after I got married, I woke up and I didn't feel married. 
that happen to anybody else? But I, I just felt the same. I'm like, I'm the same person. I thought I'd like change into another person. Like, you know, I guess because you take on a new identity when you're married, don't you? So I thought I thought I would feel different. I mean, I did feel different in a lot of ways. I was madly in love with my husband. It was great. But, you know, being married was like sort of like this process. You guys are probably, <laughs> you have this to look forward to, don't you? So, like, you know, it's really, really good. It's awesome. I felt so amazing. <laughs> so, you know, especially, like, I don't know. I mean, there's some men who are more emotive, but for us women, we're quite uh, feelings-driven a lot of times. So, you know, my feelings change like the wind. I can be, like, 15 minutes, I'm, like, all happy, and then I'm, like, why'd you say that, you know? My husband's, like, what's going on here? Okay, so I am not the sum of my feelings either. How many people are glad that you are not the sum of your feelings? Oh, man, praise Jesus. I'm glad. I am not the sum of my positions held. I didn't really know how to introduce myself because I do a lot of things, and that changes all the time. Everything changes, you know? So we pastor church, but now we're going to take on another church in Bacchus Marsh. That's pretty exciting. But my identity, you see, though, is not wrapped up in that stuff. It's kind of what I do. It's how I function. So I'm not the sum of my positions that I, I, I hold because that changes as well, doesn't it? according to your life pattern. So it's not based on what I do. It's based on who I am. So what I do is, is like it's an expression of who I am, not the other way around. Here's another one. I am not the sum of my achievements. So the problem with achievement-based identity is that it requires someone to remember what I've done or it requires me to remind everyone else what I've achieved. That's really tough, isn't it? Like, that's a tough one. Yeah, here's another one. I'm not only what my age will allow. Like, there's a lot of, I don't know if you've actually thought about this, but especially in our culture, is obsessed with youth. Um, and, and a lot of our culture is riding off the older generation. We need the older generation. And the young people need to recognize that they can't make it through life without people who've done it before them. And um, I, I really, my heart was grieving the other day. I was with a bunch of young people, and they were so arrogant. And I was like, because I'm usually in the Christian college, right, and the kids are lovely. They're just gold, you know. I love my students. I, they come from great families like this church, you know. And uh, I was with these other kids. I, I don't even remember what I was doing. Anyways, I'm just thinking they're so arrogant. They have no idea how much they really need the generations above them. And there was just that sense of pride, but they knew nothing, that, that, that foolishness. Um, but they just thought they knew everything. So I'm not only what my age will allow. There's some kids who respond to the Lord. Um, there was one I was praying for last night. I don't remember what her name is, but anyway, she was so mature in her spirit. But it was because she'd responded to the training of the Lord. So here she was in her 20s, but I, I thought, man, you have the maturity of like a 35-year-old in the spirit. Like, it's really incredible. The, the Holy Spirit can actually change your maturity level really quite quickly. 
Um, I know some old people who are like teenagers. They haven't grown up. They haven't learned responsibility. Isn't that true? And it's really bad because it gives a bad example to our younger people. We just need to grow up. When, when you get older, you just need to grow up. You just need to take on responsibility and learn how to communicate and learn how to love people in a way that's healthy, you know, and, and hopefully as, you know, leaders, we've, we're equipping people to do that. So here's the last thing. I, can't, I cannot name myself. My identity relies on my efforts to maintain it. Um, it can be lost in moments of weakness. But if my identity is in Christ, it's actually secure for eternity. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My little children, for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. We want Christ to be formed in us. That's what we want um, him to do. He is so good. <laughs> well, let's, let's stand and pray together and just... I'll trust the Lord will give you the rest of the message. You know how to study the word. It's all there. It's all there. And, and that's the main thing. I, I wanted to give you something because it's a really big issue, identity. And instead of getting mad at the world, we need to know how to answer wisely. And we need to know to answer with skill. Um, don't ever get in a debate with an LGBT person because they... <laughs> They can't debate. They just want to go for your character and your person. They won't listen. Um, don't go that way. Go in the back door. So are you happy with that? What are you going to do when your desires change? I'll be there for you. You know? We just need to be wise with this because, you know what, we're going to have a generation. Well, we already do. We have a generation that's having an identity crisis. And we need to be there. We need to be loving and graceful and able to speak into their hearts and say, God has called you for a purpose. And you know what? No matter what you've done, you can walk away from that now. And, and God has an identity for you that's found in function. You are salt. You are light. You have purpose. You're a son. You're a daughter. You know all those things? You ever go to camp and they make you do that who am I in Christ list? <laughs> you know, 1,200 scriptures. <laughs> the Bible says Jesus is not confused about his identity, people. And if we're following him, we're going to get more clear about who we are every single day, aren't we? It's going to become more clear. We need to lead people in that. We need to help them find who they are. We need to help them find the cross. Everything is taken care of, isn't it, at the cross? God is good. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. I just pray. And can we just intercede right now together? Let's just lift up our voices. Let's just pray for this generation. Lord, we just pray right now that you would come for this generation and that you would speak identity and purpose um, your way, God. Your way. Just come, Holy Spirit. Speak into their hearts. We pray for our young people in our churches that they would be able to speak in a way that just draws people to them and that brings healing to this generation, God. Give them wisdom, we pray, Lord. Give them wisdom. Thank you, God. And I just want to pray for anyone who's struggling with identity in this place. You know, we all lose it sometimes. Who am I? It's the hardest question to answer. <laughs> Who am I? You know, if you're struggling with that, I'll take some time and I'll pray with you at, at the close of this service, okay? 
I just want to take time with you because you're, you matter. You're really important to God. You are his chosen people in this room. Do you know what I mean? The Church of Jesus Christ is meeting all across this nation today. And you're the chosen of God to make a difference in this world. And to, you know, he's, one day he's going to call you home. One day soon, he's going to call us all home. We want to be able to stand before him and say, Jesus, I was who you said I am. You like that song, Who You Say I Am? I was who you said I was, and I, and I just did it for you. I just did everything for your glory. Don't you want to be able to say that to the Lord? I do too, and I hope I get to watch other people coming through because I think it will be, you know, encouraging. And see people that, man, oh, yeah. I spoke a gospel that person. You know, I shared Jesus with that person. I prayed with that person about who they were. I gave them a word, you know. I think it'll be so exciting those days where, where people are being welcomed in the kingdom of heaven. You gotta keep your eyes on the end. Otherwise it can get discouraging, can it? Put your head up and look, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He loves each one of you. He wants to set each one free in your heart so that you can take hold of everything he has for you. Okay, healing and grace, that's, that's who we are. That's what this generation needs. We can't fight back. We can't fight arrogance with arrogance. It's got to be grace. Grace for grace, yeah? Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.